Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Lure, and I'm excited to cross over to Barcelona and Spain to catch up with no other than Mr. Jerome Valka. Welcome to the podcast, Jerome. Yes, thank you so much to welcome me. Uh, yeah, we are here under 25 degrees, beautiful blue sky, uh, beautiful city of Barcelona. Amazing. And of course, let me just make sure that someone who might not recognize your name does know who you are. Anyone who's been in this industry long enough will know who you are, of course, uh, from your illustrious days at Canal Plus, Sport Plus, and then, you know, short sting was Sport 5, uh, your agency days. But what a lot of people will know you of, of course, is uh, your days almost over 12 years at FIFA which at the very end of it, you were the Secretary General, which probably many people would call uh, you the second most powerful man in the world of football here. So we're going to go into all this. We're going to hear, you know, this amazing career, which started in 1984, which again, just only shows us a little bit how old we are, but also how uh, how long you've really been around. And there's amazing experience, of course, you bring to this here. And of course, we will talk a bit about uh, what that happened at the very end of it in the last few years here for you and, and how maybe some of it has been difficult. So looking forward to touching on all this and, and of course, hearing your stories, Jerome, and, you know, we know each other for, again, many decades, um, mainly from Sportel days and others. And uh, so great to reconnect here. But let's go back. Let, let's start a little bit in the early days of your career as a young man in the in the mid-80s here at Canal Plus. Uh, I believe you were the sort of deputy editor-in-chief uh, there. Uh, what does that actually mean? You know, just explain a bit what you were doing at that time and, and what was sort of the early days of, of your career there. So the, 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 the first thing is that um, I was uh, part of the team which um, joined Canal Plus before it even opened, six months before. So I was okay. really part of the, of the beginning of Canal Plus, which was uh, maybe the most um, amazing uh, adventure uh, when you are part of a new project. Right. And it was not a small project. I mean, it was the first pay TV uh, in France. Uh, mm -hmm. It was uh, a very, very... Uh, uh, big project. I went, what I did at the beginning, uh, I was uh, a news presenter. So the first uh, right. three years, I was presenting the news. And then uh, I decided that it was not uh, what I liked. And I asked uh, to change. And they, they appointed me as the uh, deputy editor-in-chief in charge of the magazines. And there was a very famous magazine on Canal Plus at this time, which was called 24 Hours. Um, and we went uh, all around the world uh, with this magazine and uh, to Medellin uh, for the um, for, for the, the, the stories around uh, Pablo Escobar, uh, we went to uh, to different places around the world just to follow uh, wars, to follow uh, actions, and to follow big things. So it was it was an amazing an amazing time. But that was not sports specific. It was in general news, yeah? or it was general news. Right. And then uh, in ninety um, one. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the the head of sport, Charles Biatri, which was was a very famous guy who really uh, make a revolution in the way to broadcast sport. Uh, the, uh, he, he came to me and said, I'm looking for someone to become a deputy and to be responsible for all international acquisitions because Canal Plus was the first channel to bring the NBA, the NFL, uh, to uh, to bring all the uh, most famous boxing uh, 
matches with Tyson, with Holyfield, uh, with all of them. So I was responsible for negotiating the international the, the, the international rights for Canaltus France, and I was negotiating with uh, David Stern, uh, IDU Bros. I was uh, negotiating at the NFL. I was negotiating with uh, Don King, mm -hmm. um, with all these uh, famous, I would say, figures of the world of sport in the 1890s. Yeah, amazing. I love it. And now, again, and I think from what I, if I read it correctly here, you were there almost six, seven years as you were doing this, right? Um, in, in that capacity there from, as you said, the early 90s. Um, you know, what, what was sort of, again, as you said, Cattle Plaza is, you know, was, you know, people refer to it you know, now as, as the cable, it was, you know, the leading, one of the leading cable networks, obviously, there and, and a platform. Um, were you buying just for France or were you already expanding globally or regionally? Um, how was the structure at the time? So the, 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 the structure changes, changed when Canal Plus decided to grow and to become a European network. Mm -hmm. And Canal Plus starts to um, agglomerate uh, Canal Plus Belgium, Canal Plus Spain. Italy, which was Telepew, uh, kind of Netold, which was covering all the Nordic countries. Right. And that's when when I um, I offered uh, Pierre Lescure, who was the managing director of Canal Plus, I offered him the idea to, to create a, a sports marketing TV agency, which will uh, buy TV rights either on a European basis or worldwide basis, would be then the provider for the uh, Canal Plus channel. So they will buy from Sport Plus the rights they were looking for, but they were also able to ask Sport Plus to act as their uh, agency so it was a kind of a internal agency right. working for the uh, channels but also um, to, uh, to 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 become uh, uh, I would say uh, profitable uh, we acquired the international rights of most of the major football leagues and we're reselling these rights around the world uh, so it big uh, sport plus um, because that was the name sport plus became quite right. a strong agency in a very very short uh, time yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I have to admit, I remember those days um, meeting at Sportel. This is sort of late '90s, you know, early 2000 when you were the the director general there, I guess, and and buy, as you said, buying rights now across now. So let's give some exact exact examples what you guys were doing because it, again, this was you know still you know there were agencies obviously at, at the time whether it's my own it was TSA or others uh, you know uh, out there. Buying, selling, trading, arbitraging rights, but of course you the you an in-house, right? So you, in a sense, always had the buying power of your own uh, network, but you would then also partially sell things off, right? Whether it's to other agencies, I guess, or or even to other platforms, right? Yeah, yeah, we're working with different agencies. We're working for for the international handball federations. We're working with IMG. We're working with Densu. We were working with uh, with different companies around the world because we didn't have the uh, uh, I, I mean, the uh, human capabilities to sell all over the world by ourselves and to mm -hmm. travel countries. So we are working or trying to make agreements and finding a distributor in the um, in the uh, different countries where we are not really uh, strong enough to do it by ourselves. Uh, and that's why uh, we had very strong link with most of the agencies around the world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I'm certain we must have had a conversation about whether we could represent some of your rights here in Asia. I'm certain, <laughs> even though this is probably two decades ago now here. Um, now, now, just just give us maybe uh, if, if you recall any sort of interesting stories from those days, whether it is as, uh, you know, still the, the deputy director there at uh, Kennel Plus or later on at Sport Plus. 
um, you know, dealing with the characters out there. Like you said, you mentioned, you know, that you meant you work, you know, whatever you're doing deals with David Stern and others. So, uh, you know, what, what is something memorable uh, you would, you would recall from those days? Oh, I, I, I mean, one of the, uh, most, uh, uh, interesting, if I may say, character I have been dealing with was Donking. Uh, okay. It was just, uh, it was just another world. Uh, he, <laughs> he was, uh, he, he was. He, he, I don't know if he's still alive, by the way, but he was. Uh, he was a very, very uh, smart person, and um, he, he, I remember that uh, one day I met him in a hotel in Paris because he, he loved Paris and the French culture, right. and, and, and he was reading a book when I arrived in his room. He was reading a book about Napoleon. And I oh, said, uh, "Why are you interested by, uh, by by Napoleon?" And he said, "Because Napoleon was the 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 best uh, strategic person to organize war, and uh, a negotiation is the same as a war. Uh, so uh, wow. I'm I'm learning from the way he was organizing and preparing a war uh, to be ready for my negotiations. And mm-hmm. and this guy was the most difficult person to negotiate with, uh, okay. but he has been the best agent for Mike Tyson. I remember." Remember that we had such a good relationship with uh, with him and Mike Tyson that when Mike Tyson in, was in jail, I mean, I think we were maybe the only one, at least European network, yeah. who had access to uh, where he was in the jail, uh, in the prison where he was, and we made an interview of him there. Oh. Um, so. The, 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 then there was many, many, I mean, the guys, I, I would say, uh, a guy who was also an amazing person was David Stern. I mean, he was really uh, an amazing character and, and he was working uh, so well to develop NBA uh, out of the USA to make sure that the uh, the NBA will become uh, one of the strongest sports outside of the US. Uh, and, and he succeeded with uh, ID, who uh, was uh, working for that on the international rights. Uh, um, so there are many, there are many, um, maybe they were I don't know because I've not been negotiating TV rights for a long time uh, even when I was at FIFA it was not uh, my, my, my duty it was uh, Niklas Eriksson was doing that right. but I would say that um, I, I think that in the 80s 90s you, 90s you had people who you don't have uh, anymore I mean characters uh, people who have been Building uh, their sport, uh, building uh, the, uh, the 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 sport as it is today. Um, they were good. They were good, or they were not always perfect. But I would say that these people, uh, come as Da Costa, Samaranch, um, all these people, um, were were people who were very very dedicated to their sport, and they were very interesting people to negotiate with. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And, and the good news is Don King is still alive. He's about 91 years old now, so I probably need to get him on the podcast for sure. <laughs> that would be some amazing story. I, I, I mean, you can, there's something, uh, they, his voice, uh, his, his love, I mean, I it's know. something unique. I yeah. mean, he's, uh, he, 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 he was, uh, I mean, when he was going on to a ring, uh, I mean, with his air and, and, and the way he was, he was, he was a monster. Uh, and and he, was, he was using his uh, physique to, to just impress and to make sure that, uh, I mean, I remember that once I went to his office in, uh, in Florida and I, I, it was to negotiate a fight uh, for, for Mike Tyson. And, and the price I gave him was not enough. So he said, you know what? There is a beautiful beach uh, not too far from my office. Uh, I think you should go there, enjoy the sun, and, uh, and fly back to, uh, to Europe. Uh, at least um, get some fun and, uh, and uh, we will not have a deal. 
depend on your conditions. And finally, uh, he called me back and um, I didn't know that the sun was so strong in uh, Florida, so I was just uh, red uh, as, uh, as a tomato. And, um, and, and we end up finalizing the deal and it was not uh, signing a deal with lawyers uh, with 100 pages, it was just, you are just saying, we have a deal. And, and it was enough to have a deal. Uh, uh, and it was enough to, uh, to finalize uh, just by the trust you could have between two persons yeah. uh, to finalize a deal. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, it's, it's some great stories. Now, let, let's go a little bit into, um, before we move to the Sport 5 part there. Uh, now, when you when you look at Kennel Plus, obviously, obviously French football would be the leading sport. And I'm assuming um, at that time you guys had the rights for the league as well, the local league, or how was that structured uh, around those days? Canal Plus is the is the first um, channel, and it's uh, thanks to Charles Bietri, who was the director of the sports division. I mean, Charles Bietri understood, and he was he was fanatics about football, and he is the first one who brought the league on a regular basis on a channel. I mean, mm-hmm. the league was not regularly with all the games uh, broadcasted on a channel, and he he negotiated the rights at that time with the with the league and the federation and Jean Claude Darmon. That's where Jean Claude Darmon. Uh, Right. Went so close to, uh, to 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 Canal Plus and after that to TF1, um, and if I'm correct, uh, I'm, uh, uh, that would have to be checked. But if I'm correct, uh, um, you were talking about a price per game, which was around fifty thousand euro, three hundred thousand uh, French francs. Right. Um, so it was. If you think about the price of a football game today, if you look at the price of the league and what uh, uh, Be In or Canal Plus or whomever pay today. Yeah. Um, I mean, the prices have just grown in a way which is uh, which is crazy. But it it became it became the the main let's say uh, reason to subscribe uh, for Canal Plus to make sure that your team was uh, on air live uh, every every weekend. And what Charles also understood is that, and that's where he made the difference because he said. Being a, 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 a fanatic, uh, fanatic about sport, he said. I mean, we cannot just broadcast the game from the kickoff to the end of the game. I mean, a game starts 30 minutes before and ends 30 minutes after. Right. So that's where he, he was able to negotiate with all the clubs, uh, the authorization to bring cameras in the locker rooms, mm-hmm. and just to make sure that you were having the life of a team and not just only the game. Right. And it yeah. it became very very attractive and it's uh, it's something which was very unique and very special yeah yeah and, and i think that's where we can compare kennel plus to you know stories from b sky b or now sky uh you know in the uk or in germany or other places which obviously followed that same format right um and i don't know who started at first to be honest maybe it was even kennel plus who did the first deal with the league and uh, you know others followed it but that model of pay tv of course being the driving force for most you know domestic and of course partially international rights as you know it's obviously been a, a well-trotted passer and clearly kennel plus was that uh, driving force in france right yeah correct i i think that it was more or less at the same time i mean uh, biscay b did exactly the same uh, maybe they started even before canal plus uh, but it was yes it was the same principle it was uh, it was sport is more than sport is more than just a game. Cool. Um, it, it applies to all the sports because uh, we uh, on Canal Plus we had uh, the, uh, the then the, the the Golden Four, which became the Golden League. We had um, 
I mean, when even when we're broadcasting the NBA games, I mean, we're negotiating with the NBA to make sure that we will have footage uh, to 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 promote the games before, to to make sure that people they will understand what uh, NBA was, what the NFL was, what all these sports were, and not just to have uh, uh, see live uh, from 8:30 to 10 uh, this uh, sport event. So it was a kind of uh, educational platform, uh, a learning platform to to discover sports and and and. And Canal Plus was quite, uh, at least for France, was a, really a leading uh, leading network. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, as a point in time, obviously, Canal Plus really tried to go global, right? Um, you know, go across the world. Um, I recall there was even a Canal Plus in Vietnam at one point in time. I don't know, completely mixing it up now. Um, how much was that still when you were there, or that happened all much much later down the road? Yeah, that that happened after me. I mean, the the, the last one where I was working on a lot uh, and to support was Canal Plus Africa, right. uh, sure. where Canal Plus had their their, their platform in Africa. Uh, but also an, an an example of what Canal Plus. I I think that Canal Plus has a net because it was a, a global network. It was mm -hmm. a national network. It was not just a, a cable, and. Um, And in 92, um, really last minute, I mean, Charles was able to get from the IOC the rights to broadcast the uh, Barcelona 92 Olympic Games. Uh, oh. And he got the authorization from the channel, uh, from Canal Plus, he got the authorization that the channel will be dedicated 24 hours a day, six, uh, seven days a week, just for the Olympic Games. So there will be no other program accepted the news built oh, in, but okay. accepted the news, there will be no movie, there will be nothing. And Canal Plus during a month became the Olympic the channel. And, and with all all the sports, I mean, we're covering all the different sports. I mean, we're in, in a team there. I, I went there to rent uh, because it was so late that there were no more hotels available. So I spent a month renting apartments for all the teams. So we rent, I don't know, 150 apartments. Right. And and we had a team. Um, we, we had a, a deal um, with the, uh, to, 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 to get a kind of a uniform. And I don't know why. The color we chose was pink, so we were all uh, dressed in pink. The, the Canal Plus team, which was okay. some people, they didn't like it, but we were very famous at uh, in Barcelona at the IBC because uh, we were all in pink. So it was the, uh, the Canal Plus pink team. Yeah, that's cool. Now, uh, question: Was it one channel only, or you already had multiple channels you were using? No, at, at that time it was one channel. That was channel. that's right. why it was crazy. Ninety-two, it was only one. So it's why it was such a big, uh, a big move and a big decision, and it, and it worked. I mean, the, there were a lot of people saying, "Ah, oh, but the, the subscribers will leave. Will leave Canal Plus. Will not pay their subscription because they don't have their movie. They don't have this. They don't have that." Yeah. And in fact, it worked. I mean, it, it created a, an amazing. With we had all the stars. I mean, plenty of stars to become uh, to, were consultants, uh, and. Um, And, and and it was just a, it was just an amazing experience. It was the yeah. first time, by the way, I, I came to Barcelona, and uh, it's funny that uh, at the end uh, I'm back you're, there. You're there again, yeah, absolutely, nice full circle. And it's you know, obviously it also a perfect time zone, right? It is right next to uh, to France anyway, um, and therefore you know you don't deal with strange hours and so on. So yeah, you can fill a whole day from the first games in the morning to you know whenever the they switch off the the lights in the pool or on the track and field uh, racing. Um, yeah, yeah, but we did the same in '96 for the Olympic Games in Atlanta. We, okay. we, we 
by the same uh, the same system. Um, maybe at that time there was maybe another channel so they could broadcast other things. But again, the main channel was dedicated to the Olympic Games 24 hours a day. Right, right. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about then this merger, uh, which is really interesting. Um, so, you know, you, you're running Sport 5, uh, I think four, five years there as, uh, um, you know, as part of the, the cable network. Um, and then all of a sudden there is this merger between, you know, three big entities, uh, JC Damon, which is the other big agency in France. Um, and of course, our German boys, uh, Sport 5, uh, or sorry, UFA. Uh, what I will call it at the time, uh, UFA Sport, and it yeah. became Sport Five, I believe. Right, that sort of uh, the, the transition there between Kennel Plus, JC Damon, and and uh, and UFA Plus, uh, UFA Sport. How did that come about? What was the logic? And you know, maybe talk us through that. The logic. So the logic came from um, a decision between Bertelsmann and Canal Plus to to try to um, to expand their cooperation in Europe. Okay. And uh, we, uh, when I remember that when I gave a call to uh, the guys from uh, Ufa Sport to say, hey, I mean, uh, is there a way to to create something which is a bit uh, stronger because it's uh, the rights were becoming very expensive. I mean, uh, between the the first time we have been. Um, buying the FAPL international rights, uh, which I think we paid under 10 million pounds uh, to the second negotiation where we paid for the renewal 170 million pounds. So it was quite a, a high increase on TV rights because there were more and more of all these uh, TV channels and, and competition. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I remember I gave them a, a call and I said, uh, is there something to do? Because we are already uh, working together on uh, uh, movie productions, etc. Between, between the Studios we have because Canal Plus was also involved uh, a lot in the in the in the movie financing, yeah. and uh, and the guys say yes for sure. But we are already in negotiation with Group Jean Claude Darmont to create something uh, between the two uh, the two of them. Um, so um, I, I went back to, uh, to to Canal Plus and I say there is already a negotiation with Group Jean Claude Darmont. So um, there was a call with Jean Claude and say would you. Uh, agree to uh, to add into your negotiation and into the merger sport plus um so that was the first time what i remember yeah. also is that at the same time when isl went through their problems and yeah. they, they they were close to be bankrupt and uh, i had a meeting with isl uh, because ISL said, are you not interested to buy uh, ISL? Uh, and, and, and we looked at, but it was a too big fish, if I may say. I mean, it was too complicated. Right. Uh, UFA Sport, uh, Group Jean-Claude Darmont, uh, Sport Plus, to add on top of that, ISL with all the problems they were going through was a bit too complicated. So we forgot about it. It took a few months to finalize a, a deal between the three agencies because we didn't have exactly all of them uh, the all of us the same objectives mm -hmm. and finally uh, it was i think at the end of 2001 uh, we got the green light from the european commission uh, to create such an agency uh, there was a w big work on the name and sport 5 came uh, came up okay. and that's how sport 5 um, was created, was created. 
the first round of Sport 5. Uh, I had Robert Mueller, uh, which I'm sure you know well, uh, on yeah. the podcast well. And we went through the iterations of Sport 5, right? From This was obviously the first one. Um, and to, you know, then they changed names. Of course, Lagadere at one point in time came in, got involved. And now, you know, the Sports 5 is back out there again. Um, and just for everyone's record, the UFA Sport part was basically, as you rightly said, was sort of the equivalent of what you guys were doing, but for Bertelsmann, right? They were also a bit like right. in-house, right? Buying the rights for the Bertelsmann Group in Germany and wherever other places they were operating, right? So uh, there was there was a similarity in a sense, right? Yeah, and and, and Jean Claude Damon was a bit different because Jean Claude was a pure uh, agency, right? marketing agency and TV rights, so, right. so it was it was different. But uh, I mean, it was it was. Um, the merger of um, of good talents. I mean, I, I only um, so it started on the first of uh, January 20, uh, 2000, uh, 2002. and um, after one year, I was uh, I was tired. I mean, I was tired of uh, uh, it was quite complicated. I mean, the the, the merger uh, never really uh, worked in regards of the of the team and how to uh, to optimize the work of the three uh, to to become one. And sometimes that's the fact. I mean, you you can bring things together, and uh, it looks like they fit, but at the end, uh, it's a bit complicated to make it work. And that's exactly what happened. So after one year, uh, at the end of 2002, I left Sport Five, and then yes, I mean, I uh, I don't remember exactly, but Sport Five went through different uh, owners or different uh, shareholders, and uh, and 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 now Sport Five is back uh, is back to Germany yeah, as a. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I remember that that's sort of what uh, Robert was sharing as well, that there was, you know, I think it was a cultural clash, uh, if you want to call it that a bit, right? Um, maybe the French way and the German way it wasn't always working. Uh, it was a personality clash, I think, right? Uh, so clearly egos in some cases got in the way of things. And uh, and I think, yeah, everyone eventually realized this this wasn't working very well, right? And, and on the back of it, of course, we've seen the, the various iterations uh, and now they're back out there. So it's an, <laughs> clearly an interesting time you were um so it's a if i recall it it was what J, the jc damon he was like what the chairman or something like that who was, was the and bert hoffman and myself were the ceos all right okay got it okay interesting yeah well interesting time sir now that brings us nicely to when you then joined fifa right um i think uh sort of in, if i get it correctly though in 2003 you came in there as uh, director of marketing um yeah talk us through you know first of all because how you got the job um you know who, who brought you in so to speak um and then let's talk about your your early days there as the director general sorry at the uh, director of marketing Yes, I, 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 um, so it happened, um, I had my own company for a few months, uh, Sport United, I created when I left Sport 5 uh, mm -hmm. to work on my own. And after a few months, uh, I remember that even the Niklas Eriksson, who worked then for me and uh, with me at FIFA, Niklas Eriksson was not at FIFA, came to see me when I was at Sport United to see if there would be anything we could do together. Mm -hmm. And it's funny Finally, uh, we uh, we end up working for for FIFA and working together. But I got one day a call from uh, an agency based in Switzerland, which was searching 
of for FIFA uh, a new management uh, because uh, FIFA went through their own problems with uh, uh, with their marketing and TV rights, and they decided that they want to uh, to create an internal uh, structure, FIFA mm-hmm. marketing, and and that's why they were looking for 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 new people to to work there. So I I went through the the, the whole process of uh, interview. You know when they they they, they um you go to to check your character where you have to answer the many questions and uh, and and to uh, to say if. Uh, when you see uh, these, I mean, you think about that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so it was a full process. Okay. And finally, there was a short list. And there was, at that time, the play, the, the, the Confederations Cup was uh, still played every every two years. Mm-hmm. And there was a Confederations Cup taking place in Paris and a, and, and, and a FIFA executive committee and uh, all the FIFA meetings. And there was a board meeting of FIFA marketing and AGE. And, uh, and I went there for a final uh, interview with the board members for them to decide between the two candidates. The other candidate was a guy from Sweden, if I'm right. He was working for IMG, I think. Uh, and um, and and I was, uh, I was uh, chosen by, uh, by, by the board and appointed in uh, June uh, 2003 mm-hmm. as the marketing and TV director uh, working in Zook at FIFA Marketing AG. Right, right, got it. You know, and and again, just to make sure we everyone understands this, this is still only a couple of years after FIFA really came out of this whole ISL disaster, right? Uh, which was early in the middle of two twenty one, two thousand one, I believe, right? And here we're talking two three, so it's just a few years after where you know FIFA has sort of been cleaning up their act and uh, and recovering from clearly a massive hit um, by you know its main agency and so on so uh, was there still anything left uh, of that chaos or was it already sort of uh, back, you know a bit more back to normal no it was the the marketing rights uh, the commercial rights were back in house uh, when I, I, I joined but right. the TV rights were still with Dreyfus uh, okay. with Robert Louis Dreyfus and um, I remember that in 2005, I think at the Confederations Cup before the World Cup in Germany, um, there was a, an executive committee meeting and I, I made a presentation of uh, we should take in-house uh, the uh, the TV rights. So we should not extend any agreements with uh, with uh, Robert Louis Dreyfus uh, company and we should do it uh, on, on our own. And, um, and my presentation, um, I remember what not an easy one because there were a lot of people who were not in favor and there were a lot of people in favor of keeping things as they were and I made a presentation in front of all the executive committee members and when Blatter said okay I mean uh, gentlemen you have to decide if yes or no uh, we uh, bring in house and uh, not only the marketing but also all the TV rights and all the board members they said uh, all I mean the majority definitely said yes and that's how uh, FIFA got okay. back all their commercial rights in house. Okay, got it. So rather than relying on a big guarantee, um, now go sell it yourself, basically, right? And then yes. I'm assuming uh, that became part of your uh, job then, right? Together with Nicholas? Yes, or? and that, uh, that's where, um, I mean, um, they asked me and said, okay, but um, how much money can you bring? Uh, because that's always the, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's vital. the billion dollar uh, question. <laughs> yeah, it's so it was it was just a billion because at that time uh, I think in Germany I mean were, FIFA was making altogether a bit more than a billion a billion point four something like that right. and uh, I remember that I created a team with three guys uh, uh, Tam Hausmann, Stefan Schuster and uh, Rob Lampmann 
and 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 I said, okay, let's let's work on how we think we should sell um, more than the TV rights because the TV rights it's quite an easy thing to sell in a way. I mean, the most difficult part is to agree on the price. But uh, I mean, what you are selling is images. I mean, you are selling a feed, you are selling potentially footage, but you are not selling more than that. Right. The issue was more the marketing, how to change the marketing approach of FIFA uh, for the World Cups and how to create a new a new structure. And and I remember that I was working with these three guys and my approach was to say, look, I mean, we don't need to create something for the others. We need to understand what the, the, what the people they want. And then we have to create something which fits into what they want to see, yeah. meaning that uh, we have to, to think about our clients and not just to think that we are the one to uh, impose to our clients or viewers uh, something. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same for the, 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 the sponsors. I mean, we have to create for them a program where we give them more than just... Uh, uh, the World Cup itself, we yeah. give them more than just uh, X number of games and X number of days. And that's where we created this uh, structure of a pyramid with the FIFA partners who were becoming partners of FIFA over a cycle of four years, covering yeah. all the events and not just right. the World Cup. And you had the FIFA World Cup sponsor, which were just there for the World Cup itself. And then you have the national supporter, which were more supporting us wherever the World Cup was organized, either with, um, okay. let's say, valuing kind than, than, than cash. But I remember that there was a time where... Um, uh, the, the Secretary General of FIFA, Urs Lindsay, and even Blatter were telling me, Jerome, I mean, we have been waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing is coming out. I mean, you have not signed any any deal and, and we, are, we are just running out of time. Oh, and an agency, important agency, I will not say the name of the agency, but an, an agency came and made, um, and made um, a, a big offer to FIFA. So we had a meeting at FIFA, at the FIFA HQ, the old one, mm -hmm. and, and they made an offer which was, I think, around 1.8 billion uh, per World Cup uh, in exchange of all the rights. And I was sitting on the, on the left of Blatter, uh, left side of Blatter, and they start to, to challenge me, saying, uh, I mean, Jerome is talking a lot, but he has not delivered anything. And, and Blatter, I will not forget that, Blatter uh, looked at them and said, have you seen where he's sitting? And they say, yes, next to you. They say, no, no, he's sitting on my left, on the side of my heart. Whoa. And I have a full trust in him. And I know that Jerome will deliver what he's saying. And that's why we will not take your offer. Wow. Okay. And, 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 and we delivered finally uh, for 2006 was already done. So we delivered finally for 2010 an amazing package and uh, which was more than uh, or what's next close to four billions. So we, we, we just went far above uh, the result of the World Cup 2006 and, 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 and we kept our commitment to make sure that the partners will pay a lot more money than they were paying, but they were paying a lot more money because in exchange they had a lot more value. And in, 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 yeah, it was, it was just also a very different approach. I mean, they, they, were, they were seen as a FIFA partner. They were part of the discussion. They could have access to FIFA and not just... Uh, uh, boards uh, and tickets uh, when the World Cup was taking place. Sure. You know, and I think part of you know again working with other federations, um, you know, around the world, 
it, that's the ch- that's always the challenge, right? Using agencies, we all know, and I've you know ran an agency for twenty five years. Uh, what we can do on the ground, which a lot of times federations can't do themselves. At the same time, of course, the federations also, when they're starting to having the direct discussions, can deliver things differently, right? Because there's always things a federation will do differently, think differently, and 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 deliver it than uh, than the agency can do, right? There's a different dynamics there, right? And so. It is but, that yeah. constant struggle, right? Uh, Finding that right mix. Yeah, the international federations or national federations or whomever is the right order, uh, the owner of the event, I mean, can organize things. I mean, if, um, for example, Coca-Cola or, Dance, uh, or Hyundai or whomever is saying, oh, I would like to do this and I would like to do that and I would like to have this special event uh, during the World Cup. I mean, you have the power to say yes. I mean, you don't need to ask. Uh, you don't right. need to come back to the uh, to 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 the organizer by saying, "Can we get more space? Can we do this?" So we knew exactly when we're negotiating with the uh, with the countries, when we're negotiating with the local organizing committees, we knew exactly what we would need in order to satisfy um, our sponsors and 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 the partners. So right. it was definitely an easier way for the for the partners to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. No, and exactly. I mean, obviously, and this this evolution has been going on there for you know decades uh, in the industry. Where you know initially the bigger ones like FIFA could afford it because you had the firepower, and now you see you know many others as well sort of taking certain things in house, and you know and, and agencies constantly have to. Uh, reevaluate what they're doing and how they bring value to it uh, in, in in other ways as well, for sure. Um, that's a, in, in really interesting times there. Now, was it already then, uh, if I recall, for example, Infront, um, they had the media rights for Block of Asia, right, or most of Asia, I think. Was that, that was during your time as well, right, I believe, right? Yes, I mean, we, we, we uh, there, there, were, there was a partnership between Infront and Densu, uh, to 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 commercialize the right in uh, in 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 some part of uh, Asia. I mean, right. the the decision we've made with Niklas Eriksson was to uh, make sure that let's say the big or the top countries will be negotiated directly by FIFA. Okay. Uh, and that uh, a number of countries could be uh, given to agencies which have uh, which would bring value in the negotiation by being stronger on the markets that we were. Right. Uh, so that was the, that was the approach. That was whenever the, whenever we had the feeling that a third party will add value to the negotiation, either because they have long term relationship or because they know more than us, the market, that they are also potentially bundling rights uh, yeah. uh, that they can bring uh, uh, airtime to the TV station they were negotiating with because they are also negotiating the contact in the in the in, in, in the sponsorship uh, world in their home countries uh, that's what we are doing so it was a mix of direct negotiations and uh, giving uh, authorization for an agency to act on our behalf but Niklas was always the one um, signing the contracts so or FIFA was always the one signing the contract right. it was it was a, it was not we sell you the rights and you resell right. the rights. Got it. it was uh, you act on our behalf, but the contracts will be yes, between uh, the, the, the yeah. network and Canal Plus and, and, uh, Canal Plus. and the principal. Yes, and yeah. FIFA. Um, and so, how many do you have? So the infront, I remember that because it's, it was in my part of the world. You had other groups like this for Africa or North America or some other parts of the world, or yeah. Oh. 
there, there were in there, there were there were discussion which I, I remember were very complicated between Niklas and some agencies uh, in the in the, the Caribbean. Uh, there were um, in Brazil in, in South America there was definitely a direct negotiation between Brazil uh, uh, and, and 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 FIFA. Uh, the same in Argentina, but some of the countries they were also going through uh, a third party. Um, I would say Middle East was covered by uh, Al Jazeera, so they they, they were doing uh, the, the the deal for them and covering all the region. So uh, in Europe, there was sometimes a discussion with the EBU uh, for 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 them to to deal with uh, some of their members, but out of the big five, etc. Uh, etc. Et so they were they were they were each time again. It was uh, it was something which was not uh, permanent, which was not fixed. It was all the time uh, how to. Uh, maximize or optimize at least the value of what we add in order to uh, to, to to get the best coverage and the best uh, the best deal. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Now let's a uh, lot of you know roll that roll along here because I'm assuming um, with the success now which you're having and right the, the, this huge money which you're bringing in with your team there um, somehow Blatter who seem, you seem to have a great relationship with uh, according to what you said earlier um, is you know making you or or whichever whatever the process is uh, you become secretary general which I said earlier you know, makes you you know one of the most powerful men in, in the world of football there uh, how did that come about what's the process because secretary general I believe is an elected role right it's not a, an appointment right so it's a kind of um, it's 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 a it's a decision from the president which has to be ratified by the executive committee ah, right. so exactly. The way it worked. Uh, so Blatter uh, proposed my name in 2007 to the executive committee, and the executive committee ratified uh, my uh, appointment, and that's how I became uh, the, the the general secretary of FIFA in 2007. Right. Yep. And and obviously that was until about 2015, right? So we got about almost seven, eight years here to cover. Yeah, I had uh, two two terms. I had two terms with Blatter. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So, I mean, look, you know, I don't know where to start, but let's start with a little bit, you know, all of a sudden you were in front of TV, right, at the big World Cup draws and hosting those things um, and of many others, which no longer are just purely the commercial world you're in. And I don't know whether you, I guess I'm assuming you still probably have some eye always on the commercial side of it, but now you are truly much more in the let's call it the political part of it, right? The federation world. Um, talk a bit, first of all, let's just stick on the differences between, you know, being in the in the commercial, you know, front line of bringing money into now wearing this completely different hat. What, what's the, what, you know, tell us a bit, uh, what's the difference for people like me who have never done this? <laughs> uh, the main difference, I would say, is that you are not anymore in charge of um, one aspect. I mean, you are, Overseeing all the aspects, uh, the uh, and that was the most uh, exciting part. It was uh, that you have to be surrounded by people uh, which are good. Each of them, I mean, uh, Niklas Eriksson in TV, uh, Marcus Kattner as a CFO, uh, the head of communication, the head of you have to to be surrounded by a team of people, and and you are not part of their day-to-day -day work. I mean, what you are trying to do is to get the best of them, to make sure that you are you are, you are kind of, uh, let's say, uh, chef d'orchestre. <laughs> yeah, you are, mean that um, 
every morning you had meeting with the different people, you understand where they are, what they are doing. Uh, you can give some uh, advice, some ideas, and you are you are the link between the uh, the political world, the elected people, and the and, and the administration. In fact, that's exactly what you are. You are the link. And I was, I mean, my, my I had a daily meeting with Blatter every every morning. I mean, we are the I'm nearly the first one at the office, uh, very, very early. And we had every day a coffee uh, together in the morning just to understand what would be the day, what happened the day before, and uh, what will happen the day after. Mm. Uh, so you are a link between these two worlds because it was really different world. I mean, uh, I remember that an executive committee member told me, I mean, say, we are the elected people, you are the, uh, the, the workers. Mm. Uh, so it was very clear that uh, we were not in, in the power was the, the, the administration. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, it was uh, for us to deliver what the uh, executive committee or the Congress was deciding to make sure that you were remaining in the budget to deliver the amount of money uh, the, uh, the the executive committee and the Congress agreed on to be distributed to the uh, federations that you were in the budget of the organization of the World Cup. And that that was my main job because, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that I, uh, I had as much as pleasure than organizing a World Cup. A World Cup is, is really a long, long walk. I mean, it's years of preparation, years of work, years of negotiations with various people uh, from the highest level, from the head of state, because I had meeting with Zuma when it was... Uh, uh, in South Africa or Mbeki, I had meeting with Lula, with Dilma Rousseff when it was about Brazil. Mm. Uh, so you are you are really meeting the the highest level of people, and 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 you are working with the workers in in the stadiums, etc. And it's an amazing feeling when suddenly all of this is coming together, right. and sometimes really last minute. I mean, I remember that in Brazil a few weeks before the competition, all was not ready. Yeah. And you you bring things together, and suddenly the first game start, the opening game. And in fact, your your role stopped there. I mean, uh, your role stopped at the minute the first game is starting. So um, I would say the, the thing I was not ready for, which seems to be maybe a, a bit crazy, and where... I mean, you have to be a very special person. It's politics. I mean, uh, politics uh, means that you have a different skin. Uh, politics means that uh, you have a different uh, way to, uh, to 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 deal with things. And and, and politics, it's very, uh, it's the hardest part of uh, the, uh, the, the, the 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 federations. Mm. Um, working as an administration, um, it's it's. Uh, in a way easy working with politics makes your life very complicated yes yes now and, and you know i've been long enough to, around the sports industry but never been on the political side i've never been in a federation role um so it's you, know, you just watch it and you sort of it's it is part of it right we all have to deal with it um and obviously a lot of federations now separating the let's call the political and governing body side to the commercial side, right? There are certain groups have, you know, very clear definitions now or setting up completely different entities to separate the things because that's where it also a lot of times gets messy, right? Um, you know, with money going the wrong places and God knows what. And, you know, FIFA had its fair share a little bit of that <laughs> as well, of course. Um, you know, your your former boss uh, had his own, you know, plenty of controversial stories out there and so on. Now, 
I mean, again, it, you know, and you, there are certain things you might be able to say or not say. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there a bit. What, what is it your feeling when you were dealing with when you're working with uh, with uh, Blatter at the time? Um, you know, and you were in some cases his mouthpiece as well, right? Defending his stories, etc. I mean, how did that? How was it? How, you know, t- t- share a little bit. You know, I mean, there's something which is uh, about Blatter that. Uh, Maybe people they they don't understand, but Blatter when he joined FIFA, it was um, it was I think the number twelve. Uh, it was a time where FIFA was um, definitely not uh, FIFA's today. It was a very small uh, federation dealing with a huge sport, football, but not at the same level as football is today. And 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 Blatter really, um, I, I mean. Yeah, as as I've been part of the Canal Plus project at very low level, I mean, he has been part of the FIFA uh, success at the at the top level because he became as a guy selling uh, marketing or commercial rights, uh, the football development, and 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 just move on with Avalanche until '98 when uh, he became president. Um, I mean, FIFA. Blatter was saying, "I, I, I am FIFA. FIFA is me," uh, and he was, in a way, he was not wrong. I mean, it's true that uh, I mean a lot of uh, what FIFA is today, uh, or at least until he left, was was about the way he, he he moved into FIFA and the way he passionately developed uh, everything around FIFA. From uh, and and he was he was uh, supported by people as Michel Platini, who was the guy who uh, worked on the goal project, meaning all this uh, support to the federations to develop uh, football projects within the federations. So with uh, with uh, su- financial support from FIFA, um, he, he was surrounded by a number of people which were football lovers and 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 created something which became um, just uh, insanely big. Mm-hmm. Um, so Blatter was a guy, or oh, he is a person because he's still alive. Um, I mean, I, I was always impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm French and he loves everything which is about France. So he has a high level of culture about uh, everything. Uh, he's, uh, he's passionate. He's, uh, he, I mean, he's very, very charismatic. Um, so he, 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 he was just in, uh, in the perfect environment. And, uh, and I just think that at the end, people were just tired. I mean, they were just tired that the, 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 the it was always the same system and, and, and there was a need for fresh blood, uh, within FIFA and to see, uh, uh how FIFA could move to a next level or an, another, another time, uh, without having always the same figures and the same people in charge. Yeah. And, and that makes sense, right? If you think of it as the same in politics, right? There is a point in time when even if the, the guy in charge has been, you know, has been amazing for many years. Uh, but like you said, uh, there is a time when you need fresh and uh, fresh faces, younger generations need to step up. And, um, and the, the, then, so we are talking politics here, it's the same in, in sports politics as it's in, in others. So, uh, and I guess that's sort of, you know, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's go a bit, you know, deeper into the, into the FIFA world, because, as you said earlier, you know, you're the sort of middleman between all these moving parts, um, you know, these the people who are lobbying for events, who want this, who, you know, uh, trying to get, you know, certain pieces of the funding, etc. right? Um, now, the World Cup bidding process, uh, obviously, again, has changed over the years, right? And it's now very different, similar to the IOC process for the Olympics, right? At one point in time, it was this huge, elaborate process, which 
clearly was many times abused and, and, and wrongly done. And, you know, maybe there's still scenarios here until the last World Cup with Qatar where people, you know, blaming that. Um, talk a bit about it from, again, your point of view, being inside, um, you know, dealing with, I guess, South Africa was one of the big ones you were always part of and Brazil, you know, again, very different parts of the world, all, uh, you know, uh, amazing World Cups in their own way uh, by the time they were delivered. But, you know, plenty of controversy always leading up to them, right? Um, just, just tell us a bit about it. Uh, firstly, I mean, uh, I've not really been part of the bidding process for 2010 and 2014 because 2014 was decided, uh, if I'm correct, in uh, – just after I was appointed. Uh, uh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, they were already you, appointed before I you. Was, I, was, I worked, I worked uh, on, on the bidding process. Uh, we worked on 2018 and 2022. And, right. and I think we did a quite good job, meaning that there was a, a we, we created a team made of uh, people from the different divisions uh, to work for months on the, uh, on the, on, on the bidding documents. Uh, so there were different documentation. There were different requests. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, for 18 and 22, you had, for example, the uh, uh, the protection of the workers. You had the 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 the, the, the protection of the environment. Uh, so there were a number of, uh, let's say, uh, obligations which came in into the obligations or commitments from a country uh, if you would organize the World Cup to uh, to follow. So um, we we worked on a document where we had also. Uh, a special, um, let's say, a team which was made from people out of FIFA to uh, to to look at the different countries and to come up with uh, with a report from the countries based on on, on a kind of uh, cahier des charges. Uh, we were asking them uh, to to check. So it was about security, it was about the environment, it was about uh, uh, whatever you would need to change or whatever you would need to adapt in order to organize a World Cup in your country. Uh, the only one thing we did is that there was a request. Uh, from the executive committee, there was a request that there would not be a kind of a ranking by us. So we would not say uh, from these five countries, we administration think that uh, country one is the best and country two is uh, the, the second best, etc. Mm -hmm. And it would just be uh, a flat report. Uh, which will give information to the uh, members who then have the, 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 the duty to vote mm -hmm. and for them to have more information than just the presentation made by the bidders uh, before they, 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 they make their decision. Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing is that a World Cup needs a, a lot huh? and, and, and a World Cup needs a, a lot of investment from a country, uh, not, needs a lot of things which potentially you can criticize in regards of the, of the use they will have of these stadiums after the World Cup uh, because you're asking for stadiums which minimum ones are 45,000 seats. Uh, so it's true that in South Africa you could say, okay, how many, how many cities in South Africa deserve to have a stadium which is above 45,000 seats? Uh, to be used after the World Cup. So you mm -hmm. can say Johannesburg definitely, Cape Town definitely, because they're also using the, the stadium for the rugby team, right. uh, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, the, 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 the thing is that um, the, decision, uh, the decision of a country to, uh, to, to, to make a World Cup or to organize a World Cup is far beyond the sports. 
uh, it's a very, very high uh, political decision. It's mean it's a decision made by the head of state, made by the government, uh, yes. uh, because it's a number of commitments they will have to do. And I remember that for the 1822 decision, which was in December 2010, mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing to see that you had a kind of uh, G8 or G9 uh, organize, uh, organized in Zurich for the decision. You had the head of states, you had prince, you have prime minister, right. you had uh, Bill Clinton, you had the attorney general of the USA. I mean, suddenly you understand that. I mean, you are not you are not anymore talking just about the football federation of the country. I mean, you are talking about an event, which means for the country who will organize the event something which is huge, huge in terms of business, in terms of politics, in terms of recognition, in terms of existing on, 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 on the planet. And for South Africa, it was far beyond uh, we organizing the World Cup. It was we become South Africa the center of the world for a period of time. I mean, we will become the country. And there were a lot of polemics about the, uh, the security and the safety uh, around this World Cup. And, the and some countries were saying, no, 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 you, you have to move the World Cup from South Africa to another country because we are safer than them, etc. Yeah. And, and we worked because we knew that that was one, one of the challenges. We work on the security with all the authorities of South Africa and nothing had happened during the World Cup in South Africa. It was this, the safest place uh, of the world uh, at that time to uh, to 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 and 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 and, and I agree. nobody I, complained about safety and security. Yes, I, I was there, and and like like you just described, uh, you know, there were definitely concerns. Um, I, I was in Joburg, I was in uh, in Cape Town, and you know, there's there there's obviously stories you hear, and and for sure you you know you, you sort of and I had was there with my my son who was quite young, etc., and and my you know and my family, and so yeah, it was. Um, you know, but it's it was for perfectly fine, and like you said, you know, it definitely was probably the safest uh, place to be in in that sense, just because uh, you know of these measures which were put into place, and similar Brazil um, was there as well. So, now I think you guys did an amazing job. But I, I want to talk a bit about because um, before I get back to Russia and and uh, and, and Qatar, which was, you just alluded to, was uh, voted in there in two ten. Um, uh, you know, let's you know stick a bit more. What was in your sense the most challenging, and as well as the most amazing moments with both South Africa and Brazil, besides, of course, Germany winning it in 2014. Well, that was more my part. Um, what is it from your side? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm definitely um, found in South Africa one of the most beautiful country I've ever been in my life. I, I just... Uh, I just fell in love with South Africa. I, I fell in love with a South African woman at that same time, just before the World Cup, with whom okay. I had uh, two kids. Um, and uh, but more than that, I mean, I, it was just uh, it was just a long road to bring all the people together. There was there was clearly uh, a full support from the um, black community in South Africa. Uh, for, for, for this World Cup because they, the black community is playing more football than the white community who is playing more rugby in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, a, it was a long road of uh, discussion, negotiation with the different uh, um, people in charge uh, of uh, the different regions of South Africa. It was a, a complicated time because uh, we, we just uh, uh, went through the 2008 crisis, uh, so it was not easy. Right. Um, it was a long road uh, with, the, with the media uh, being very, very negative about South Africa. Um, 
because again, I mean, it was it was new. I mean, it was the mm. first World Cup to be played on the African continent. Uh, so it, it was it was something which was not. Uh, in a way, it was not fully accepted by a lot of people, and uh, uh, and a kind of, uh, um, I mean, why the World Cup should be played in Africa? I mean, let's play the World Cup in countries as uh, European countries, USA or whatever. Mm. Was it has to go? It has to go to Africa. But for me, yeah. it is. Uh, I know that everybody saying yes, but the Vuvuzela, etc. Because that's always what people are saying. The, the this sound which was uh, crazy in the state. <laughs> I don't think that you had uh, such a, a passionate World Cup from people from the street, from the from, uh, I mean uh, the, the, the 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 poorest part of. I've been everywhere. I've been visiting. I've been in local radio in the poorest part of South Africa, in all these uh, townships. Uh, I mean, it was amazing the support and the passion and the and and the and and the face of the South African. Mm. And I can tell you, if you go to South Africa, they still talk about 2010 being one of the nicest year they ever had in in South Africa. Mm. I mean, this World Cup remain as a souvenir, which is one of the most beautiful souvenirs they have in their history, yeah. and that's that's great. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it, the reward which is uh, beyond everything. I, I mean, I have still a lot of people uh, in South Africa who are I'm in touch with, and 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 they say you cannot imagine what you did for South Africa and uh, and how good it has been for the country. So, I mean, I'm definitely if there's something I'm proud about, I'm proud about this World Cup in South Africa. I'm proud about what I did in South Africa with all the people who have been I've been working with, and I am proud of South Africa because they deliver an amazing World Cup. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. I, like I said, yeah, I do have great fond memories of it too, and uh, it was an amazing time. Now, Brazil, of course, is it's it's a bit the other way around. You could argue it is one of the you know it is if not is the home of football. Maybe uh, even though the English would probably dispute that, uh, you know, with the talent wise, etc. And of course, bringing it back to Brazil again hadn't been played there for God knows how many decades. Um, you know, but has its own challenges, right? I mean, it, it, Brazil was booming and then obviously was getting into a lot of trouble, right? As, uh, you know, slightly before, right? They had a recession and things weren't ready. As you said, you know, there was stadiums uh, sort of still being painted on the day before the kickoff. So, um, you know, talk a bit about that. I mean, the, the differences as well as, you know, the, again, the, the, the beauty and the, and the hard parts of Brazil. Yeah, Brazil was far more, um, far more. Brazil was complicated. I mean, Brazil was complicated because, as you said, uh, everything was uh, delayed. Everything was late. I mean, we, uh, I had even a, a bad time where um, I was at uh, IFAB, International Football Association Board meeting in in England, and uh, I, I used a word which in French is not. Bad, but I said it's time for Brazil to kick their ass uh, to move on. But uh, we are late, and and I said something which was really really bad for Brazil because it seems that you cannot say that. Which donner un coup de pied dans le cul en français in French it means that you just you just push yourself to move on. Right. Uh, but in Brazil, it took a very very bad. Uh, a bad sense, and I was even banned by the uh, by the gov Brazilian government to come back to Brazil for a period oh, wow. of time. Okay, but they were so upset about my words, uh, so it took time for me to have the, uh, the 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 authorization to come back to Brazil and to go on with the organization. Um, and top, we had a very complicated time. I don't know if you remember, but at the Confederations Cup. Uh, there was uh, millions of people in the street. Uh, I mean, in Brasilia, they destroyed things, and there were millions of people in the streets. 
saying and asking for more money for the medical service, for the educational service, etc. Uh, not necessarily challenging the organization of the World Cup, but just uh, using the fact that suddenly uh, there was this Confederations Cup and, and, and going into the street to demonstrate and ask for more um, money uh, to, to support their different uh, requests. Uh, and it went so bad that uh, at the time, I remember that yeah, there was a time where uh, people at FIFA were saying, but do we cancel the Confederations Cup in order to avoid problems? And and I was the one also saying uh, with other people saying, but you cannot do that. I mean, we need the Confederations Cup. If we cancel, then it's just an open door to say, um, are we really organizing the World Cup in Brazil? We have right. to make this Confederations Cup perfect and then to make sure that we go on for the organization of the World Cup. Right. So it was it was a very complicated one. It was a difficult one. But in the meantime, during the World Cup, it was insanely fun. Um, the fan fest we had in Rio and the different cities, the, the passion of Brazilians for football accepted, uh, accepted uh, a game which they will uh, keep in their head forever. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about that one. And we, where we, uh, we were all uh, just uh, from standing in our chair, we were just all going down, 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 thinking when it will stop. I mean, all these goals, uh, <laughs> when this, uh, this game will just end and the Germans not uh, stopping uh, scoring goals until they would be back into the locker room. Um, I remember I, I was sitting behind uh, Marine, who was the president of the uh, CBF, and I was seeing him becoming a grey. I mean, yeah. it was just the worst day of their life. But again, I mean, they, 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 as you said, I don't know where, I mean, for sure people are saying that it's in England, but I would say that in a country as Brazil, uh, where football is uh, is more than anything, at least uh, at the level of a religion, yep. um, it was it was just a funny, funny, funny time. It was just the most uh, amazing time to uh, to 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 spend uh, a month in Brazil. I'm sure that everyone who has been in Brazil for either a few days, few weeks, or for the whole period has just. Uh, a sense of what Brazil is about, what football in Brazil uh, is about, and what uh, South America is about. And that's, I mean, I know that it's too early, but that's where I always said, I mean, for me, a World Cup, and that was my position at FIFA, for me, a World Cup should be played in one country, because that's where you can get the best of an experience. Mm. And as soon as you do more than a country, I mean, it means that you divide the experience, and potentially you will never reach this same level of uh, passion, uh, fusion uh, you can have if, again, you move to a place which is not the place you are living and you stay there for a period of time. And that was always my argument when I was defending the idea that um, a World Cup should be played in one country right. instead of being divided between different countries because yeah. you, will never, you will never create the same atmosphere, you will never create the same experience by dividing uh, games in different countries, yeah. which... Again, I understand it's a new choice. Yeah. Now, I have a question here. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, if I remember this wrong. I, but I do recall there, because Brazil was so late on so many things, right? There were, as usual, these kind of discussions or, or public statements made in some sense about, well, would the World Cup be moved, right? Um, you know, and I'd love to hear it from your point of view because, you know, you read it in the press, right? And then there's, of course, the fans and everyone debates could that really ever happen right and i would say i don't think it ever will happen that that fifa or the ioc let's say when it comes to olympics when you sometimes hear the same stuff there they would really ever do this just because 
it is too hard in my case, in my view, right, um, to do it anyway. And the, and the slap in the face up for the country and God knows all these stories, which we all know. Uh, but of course, to some degree, you have to use it and threaten at least, right? But what is it from your point of view? Would would FIFA or or if you would compare it with the Olympics, would they really ever be able to do it, uh, or is it just in, you know it's it's just uh, more of a posturing? No, so legally speaking, I mean in the contract uh, between the uh, country and FIFA. There is a, a way for FIFA to uh, to get out yeah, uh, they move to, okay. and to move the event if uh, the event is at risk. Right. Um, but that's that's then the question: What means uh, at risk? Uh, right. Does it mean that uh, you uh, you will not have the infrastructure to play? Does it mean that you will not have the right uh, pitches? Does it mean that you will not have the right level of accommodation? Does it mean that you? So it's 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 then it's 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 a big question. It's 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 a huge decision, and it's a decision which is every day more difficult to to take because the closer you are to the event, the harder it is to think that another country could organize in uh, right. in, in such short term. Sure. Um, so. Um, I mean, I've never been, I've never been, in fact, if it, it I don't remember having used, uh, me personally, the, the threat of moving the World Cup from either South Africa or Brazil. Uh, we have been fighting, we have been, we had hard time, we had a nasty time, uh, but I don't remember that we ever used the idea, it was more something which was coming from the media side, uh, as uh, you you should move because of. Uh, mm-hmm. But on our side, I mean, we're just, I mean, in, in, in Brazil, when there was a need for me to go there uh, once a month or even to stay longer than was I was expecting, I was doing it in order to just to push. And, and maybe it looks a bit naive to think that because you are there, things will move uh, faster. But yes, I mean, when when you are pushing for meetings and when you are pushing for people to make decisions, um, I mean, it's happening. I remember that once I was flying from, uh, I don't remember which city to uh, Rio, and uh, I, I was flying with a helicopter and I flew over the, uh, the, the Maracana Stadium after heavy, heavy rains and, and the stadium was in such a shitty situation that when I arrived in the meeting with the governor and the mayor of Rio, um, I, I, I start the meeting thinking that it was a good joke, saying, "Wow, you have a beautiful swimming pool for the next Olympic Games in Rio." Huh? <laughs> and, and 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 the governor was so upset that he kicked me out from the room. I mean, he say, uh, was really insulting me and saying, uh, "Out of my office!" And who are you to talk to me like that? Uh, mm. I say, I'm just a guy who, who watched uh, a stadium which has to be used in few months, uh, and I can tell you. It's impossible to play any football games in these conditions where, on top of that, you are talking about playing the final. Um, so, uh, so yes, it, it's our time and our things. But at the end, I mean, everyone has the same goal, the, the goal to make sure that, I mean, it will happen. And, uh, and it's just more work, more people, more, 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 let's say, more conflict, more commitments, more uh, whatever. Um, but I don't remember, again, the only one time where I was a bit afraid and I was a bit concerned was during this Confederations Cup when there were so many demonstrations and so many things happening around the country and uh, thinking, uh, wow, I mean, we cannot um, 
we cannot have this uh, during the World Cup. And I remember that I had a meeting with uh, a guy from Russia at the same time because there was uh, people from Russia uh, around uh, the organization of the uh, of the World Cup to see and to learn from uh, 2014 what they should have, uh, what they have to do for 2018. Mm. And I remember that one guy from Russia told me, I mean, be quiet, Jerome, that will not happen in Russia. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true uh, <laughs> in a different way, in a different sense. Um, now, now I wanted to ask a couple more things uh, before we then sort of started closing in a bit on the end finish here. Um, one is two two eighteen two twenty two, right? Um, again, you are obviously more involved from an administration point of view. You obviously not voting, etc. When these votes were then announced, were you surprised, or were that you know because clearly they were up against you know very big other groups? Um, you know the U.S. I think were were one of them. I think England was obviously you know bidding for it. So you know they were again safer, easier bets, so to speak, or places um, which were not picked. Um, what, what was your thought at that time when when you saw these names being announced? I mean, I, I was not, uh, it's known, I was not in favor of uh, Russia and Qatar, not because I, I didn't like the countries or I didn't like their bid, but I was just uh, a bit exhausted of 2010 and 2014 or by 2010 and 2014. And I was thinking that for FIFA, it would be safe in terms of a commercial approach uh, to have a World Cup played in England uh, and in USA. So I, I was... I was more thinking about the uh, the issue of the general market and the general financial situation of the world where it was more challenging to get from uh, commercial partners the level of uh, commitments we were looking for, um, being always looking for more money. I mean, uh, having more commitments to the federations, to the other competitions, uh, creating more competitions, youth, youth competitions. There was a, a need of more money for in the budget of FIFA, and that's why... I was not necessarily in favor of, uh, again, going into countries where I had the feeling that there were a lot of things to do in order for them to organize the World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, so when when uh, it was, when they were elected, I mean, I, I had nothing to say. I mean, I, I, just, uh, I just had to uh, say to these two countries, okay, I mean, you have been elected. Uh, the administration of FIFA will support your local organizing committee and new countries uh, as much as we can in order for these World Cups to be to be as successful as they can be. Um, but it's true that it was a, it was a kind of semi-surprise because the, uh, they have been far more aggressive, far more active, far more. Uh, selling their qualities and, uh, and and what they could do and selling uh, a change. And, and it's something which members were saying. I mean, Russia is a huge football country. Why uh, in Europe it should always be France, Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, England, and it could not be Russia. Uh, and it was the same uh, for, for Qatar. It was uh, why the Middle East... Uh, cannot have their World Cup. I mean, it's one part of the world where the World Cup never took place. Why? I mean, uh, the, now the World Cup took place in Africa. Why Middle East could not have their own World Cup? Mm. 
Sure. Uh, and I mean, you know, we all, I'm sure, of course, read about it and, and debated it <laughs> to nausea, um, you know, moving it into the wintertime and all the stuff which happened. And, and I, been, I went to Bose. I was in Russia. I was in Qatar. And they were all, again, interesting uh, World Cups in it, in their own way. Um, and, uh, yeah, and now we're moving on again to the next one there in the U.S. or at North America, I guess, uh, between uh, U.S., Mexico, and, and Canada. So it should be interesting. Um, now, I want to touch a little bit on maybe a bit of other roles uh, within your role as Secretary General, and maybe there are, you were doing it or you were not even involved in this uh, side of it, and that is sort of, you know, FIFA makes a lot, brings a lot of money in, right? And we were just talked about it earlier, you know, billions of dollars are being generated, and then, of course, some of it is used for its own um, projects, for its own whatever staffing, and I remember Dr. Dohide about it, I think that, uh, you know, at, at a, over a period of time, it, it went from whatever, let's say 50 people or 100 people uh, to 1,000 people, right? So it's, we're talking about huge offices, and I'm sure some of it happened during, was over your period of time there. Um, how much is it you, you get involved in, you know, these negotiations with federations, whether these are the local FAs in the, in the, or the regional bodies, the UEFAs of the world? Is that part of your role as well, or is that more the, the political side which deals with all this? Uh, it was more. It was more. Uh, it was uh, there was a division uh, called the development division. Uh, so they were more in permanent contact with the federations for the uh, for their own needs uh, of developing football. Um, the the federations were not really um, my contact people. Um, they were mainly whenever there was a, a federation coming to visit FIFA, which was. I would say every day, um, the meetings were not with me. The meetings with Blatter or with the development team to make sure that they were expressing what they they, they need, and then they could discuss with uh, Blatter uh, how to uh, to to to, to uh, uh, let's say implement their, their, these needs in, in their own federation. Uh, they were they were you know they were FIFA was made of. Uh, a structure uh, where you have uh, the Congress, then you have the president, then you have the administration, but you have also and the executive committee above the administration. But you have also a number of committees, which were which were called the committee weeks. Uh, it was up four times per year. Uh, and and you during a week you had the, all the committees. I mean you had the uh, development committee, the competition committee, the uh, under 19, under 20, oh, yes. whatever. Committees, and it, it is there where the federations were expressing their their their, 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 their themselves. I mean, it was not with me. Um, no. The administration of FIFA grew because, again, uh, from FIFA marketing and TV AG, when we uh, moved into the main FIFA building in 2006, just before the World Cup 2006, where FIFA is located today mm. at Sonnenberg. Um, yes, we grew because there was more and more need of staff and we grew from maybe a, a full FIFA of 200 people to 600 people. Uh, don't remember that it went above 600 people. Uh, for sure, there were more people whenever you were uh, next to the World Cup because there were a lot of uh, external sure. people coming in. Uh, but um, I remember that one day, I mean, uh, Blatter told me, he said, I'm sure that all these people are not working 100%. Uh, and I say, they say, you have to... Uh, to uh, uh, remove some of them. And I said, but you know, the, the, the day a guy will invent uh, an app where uh, you can make sure that the number of employees you have are working 100 uh, percent, 
and you know when you have to add new people or when you have to add uh, to release uh, people i mean this guy will become a, a billionaire uh, it's very complicated and on top you are working on cycles there are period of time where people are working at 150 percent when yeah. it's a close world cup right. or to other events and there are time where people are working less but uh, the, 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 the FIFA administration and the FIFA team was just uh, an amazing team uh, and all passionate and all dedicated to, uh, to what they were doing. So uh, it was really, uh, I would say that the administration of FIFA is, is, is an amazing uh, body and an amazing uh, structure, which um, I mean, I've always been working very, uh, very well with. And um, and 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 the 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 I mean the the divisions were working together in a perfect manner. I mean uh, there was never or very rarely a problem between divisions. Sometimes when a division was saying, "Oh, I should be in charge of this instead of the other one being in charge," uh, but that's a normal stuff in in a company of 600 people with uh, uh, I don't know how many divisions we had. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. At the end of the day, yes, it, it is a company, right? There is parts of it which do operate like a business, um, and some parts, I guess, which operate more like the political world, as we as we already touched on earlier. Um, now, I want to touch a little bit on the women's side of it, right? Uh, and because, funny enough, I just had uh, Gila Rond on, on the podcast recently, and we did the same about UEFA and and how you know women's sport, women's football, obviously on a UEFA level, was has been growing, and now again we are. Uh, this, a few months away from the Women's World Cup in uh, in Australia this summer, um, which again, you know, hopefully people will know and recognize it's happening. Now, during your times, you know, we touched, we were very deep into the women, the the, the men's World Cup, which is of course the sort of still a flagship event out there. But how much was it already when you were there? Uh, you started to see that the Women's World Cup is really picking up and and standing on its own feet in a sense. I mean, women's women's football was already uh, really picking, and and we were, we worked a lot on uh, women's football to make sure that uh, I mean uh, it was uh, it was uh, strong, the, uh, it was becoming stronger in different countries, and it was just not again all the same countries that were giving a way for girls to play football all around the world. Um, I don't know, and I, I read in the media that. Uh, um, Gianni uh, Infantino was very unhappy about the offers uh, FIFA received for the Women's World Cup and it was not enough money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, it was clear that the Women's World Cup was not able to, uh, to, 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 to win on its own uh, and, and to, uh, to be uh, at even break-even. I mean, there was even um, a commitment from FIFA to uh, countries organizing the Women's World Cup that there will not be uh, any loss and mm -hmm. that FIFA would cover it. Yeah. Amount of money after the events to make sure that the, there will be a legacy of the country uh, to organize events. The same for the, and the, the, for the youth tournaments. Right. Um, the, the, the one who was making the money uh, and to support all the infrastructure all the administration, all the competitions, everything, the one who was making money was, and I'm sure is the World Cup uh, more than any other, uh, other competitions. But again, it's part of um, the role and the duty and the responsibility of FIFA to use the money not only uh, to uh, to create reserve, but to use this money to develop uh, football uh, for the youth, uh, male and female, uh, all around the world, so it was. The, 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 there was a very strong team of girls uh, uh, within the development team or within the competition uh, division 
to uh, to to fight uh, to uh, to advocate to uh, to make sure that women's sport, football was one of the priority within the FIFA uh, system and and it it was the case when I was there I mean there was really uh, uh, the wish to, uh, to 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 bring women's football. It was not the wish to say we need to make sure that women's football will make as much as money as men. And I don't think that you should always try to compare and try to say uh, we need to find equality and we need to find uh, things which are similar. I mean, it was just the fight to find the best way to develop women's football and football in general around the world and not just uh, focusing on uh, we need to, uh, to, to make sure that one day women's football will make enough money to be on its own. Right. No, and, and I think that yeah, this is even a bigger, larger conversation about equality, of course, in, in, in terms of pay, right? That's so normally where it, where it comes from, right? Um, why would women make less than men and so on? You know, and I think my answer is always, you know, there, it's, there is a commercial reality to it. Um, and, you know, and as we all can agree on that women should make the same amount of money because they're doing the same thing or whatever. But if it isn't as commercially viable, right? Therefore, in this case, the women's World Cup doesn't make any money, or even has to be subsidized. Versus the, the men's World Cup makes, you know, billions. You can't say they make they can make the same thing. It's just not commercially viable, and and that's to me the easiest easiest way to look at. It. I mean, it's maybe still some people might not like the answer, but this is just the reality of it, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree, and uh, and uh, and I think it's uh, it's something which is becoming. Uh, uh, I mean, a big, big uh, item today. I mean, um, my kids—they are nine and eleven, and uh, and they are at school, and uh, they are in a British school, and where today, I mean, you cannot talk anymore about gender. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. It, uh, it, uh, we ask my daughter. She 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 got she was nine on first of May, and we we prepare some gifts for the class, uh, twenty-five kids. And when we send a message to uh, to the school saying uh, how many boys and how many girls, because we don't want uh, to have a pink bracelet in uh, uh, for for all of them. I mean, we just want to have things for boys and girls. I mean, receive a message saying, please. I mean, don't uh, talk about gender. Wow. And. Uh, and it's a bit. It's I. I maybe I'm old-fashioned. I am 62. Maybe I'm from another generation. I don't know, but I don't really understand that. I don't really understand uh, why uh, we are entering this uh, this, uh, this 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 line. Um, so the goal was not uh, the goal at FIFA when I was there. The goal was not to say, "Hey guys, work to make sure that women's football will generate as much as money." Than men's football. If it's happening, great. I mean, if the women's the women's World Cup is attracting as many as much as money as the men's uh, World Cup, great. But it has nothing to do about men and girls mm -hmm. or men and, uh, and and women. I mean, it's just it's just that it's a different scale of competition. It's a different history. The first World Cup, male World Cup, was played in 1930. I mean, the first women's World Cup was played years after. Yeah. The men World Cup exists. Uh, for for now a century nearly i mean the the 2030 will play the, the it will be the centennial work uh, so I, I don't think that you have to I, I mean you have to create step by step but there is a there is a goal there is a wish and there is definitely a beautiful game played by women i mean i love i love to to attend the, the the women's world cup because it was it was an amazing time i mean they were playing amazingly well mm.
Agree. No, no, I agree. And, and again, this is sort of, you know, we could spend another probably half an hour just talking about it and because there's so many facets of it. But, uh, you know, I think we're, we've, you know, it's good. We touched on it and, and at least made sure that it's clear that it is part of it, the game, and it's and there's plenty of opportunities. And I'm, I'm sure, again, uh, the event in, in Australia here will be uh, will be another highlight reel there uh, with amazing football and, uh, and hopefully bringing the, the sport again to another level. Um, now, I want to sort of, you know, slowly come to the point where you are now and of course how you got there um and that is unfortunate where the the story here is is maybe a little less fun um and a bit more serious our conversation of course and that is you know the the exit which in some cases was obviously pretty well uh recorded in the press around the world and anyone who who knows this or has followed it knows a little bit of you know what happened there and it's you know i would just simply start with saying it's mastercard versus visa or the other way around um, uh, scenario scandal, whatever you want to call it, um, between the two big powers there and how their deal was handled, structured, um, end up you know, you know, somewhat blowing up in in many people's faces here, and and you were clearly um, one of the victims. Let's call it that. Uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit from your side of then what happened there and around that time, and uh, you know, and a bit of of course how that sort of affected you now here over the last years. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I went from being one of the most, most attractive girl in the world to the ugliest witch of the world. Right. Um, the uh, and, and and that in in a day. I mean, in in, in a few minutes. Uh, in September 2015, uh, when uh, I was uh, released by Blatter from FIFA, mm-hmm. um, then uh, then uh, I went through a number of. Uh, Let's say cases uh, ending up uh, in uh, twice at court uh, for a first decision and then an, an appeal decision and, uh, and 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 we are waiting for the uh, for the final uh, uh, report from the appeal court uh, to 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 understand exactly uh, what was uh, the reason behind uh, the decisions. Um, eight and years later, be- right? I mean, let's keep that in mind, right? We're talking fifteen, and now we're two twenty-three here. Well, that's a I have a life. There's a lifetime here, almost. Uh, you know, of what? How long has it been yeah, taken? That, right? That's something I learned. Is that uh, I, I mean, uh, it looks like um, organizing a World Cup uh, takes many, many years. Uh, the justice is also uh, taking uh, very, very long to uh, to to go through uh, the different uh, procedures and uh, different investigations uh, before uh, your case is either uh, closed or your case goes to court. Uh, so it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a, a long, long, painful, destroying uh, ride uh, where you it, it's it's strange because from being in control of things, uh, you are definitely losing control of everything. I mean, uh, the only one thing you can control is uh, the way you react, the way you behave, the way you uh, you go through this time, uh, the decision you can make or you cannot make. Uh, but it's a. Uh, it's it's a very painful and uh, and um, and very hard time. I, mean, I don't think that there is any way you can uh, you cannot keep um, open scars of, of of this period. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's something you you cannot uh, you cannot forget. I mean, it will always remain somewhere in your body. I, yeah, I, I have no doubt that this will leave scars. Um, uh, and, and as you rightly said, it will you know will take a long, long time to heal. Now, here, here's here's my thought on this. Um, you know, when I was reading it, and, and again, this is obviously a long time ago now, but I always felt 
you were you were sort of made the scapegoat of this. Um, you know, I never ever never thought that you were truly the one who, who did anything wrong or broke the law here, so to speak. But it was clear, it's, you know, FIFA needed a scapegoat, and you got held hung there for dry. Now that again, I say that out loud, uh, people might disagree with that. But you know, let, let me hear it from you. What, what is it? What you what you can say now? I know, as you just said, uh, the, the 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 I guess the case is just about being. Uh, I guess put to rest, dismissed, or whatever the word is. Um, but where, you know, what is it? What you can already say now? What you feel happened? So I, I think that it's uh, potentially also um, a change of time, meaning that uh, there were maybe uh, a time uh, before where things were done in a way that nobody would complain about, uh, and there is always a thin. Uh, uh, a, a, a thin uh, piece of paper between what you call uh, the moral or the ethics and and and, uh, and the criminal, um, and it looks. I would say it looks like maybe everything have the, the, which we have done were not uh, perfect or were not moral, but uh, to be seen as a criminal, uh, it's it's a, it's a long way, um, and. Um, I would say that it's also sometimes unfair. I mean, when you see uh, the last one, which was the museum, where, um, I mean, for the museum, I was uh, accused uh, as Blatter, as uh, Marcus Katner of wrongdoings by FIFA. And there was an opening of a criminal case with uh, in the media saying Valk is accused of these uh, of wrongdoings in the museum. And then there was an investigation which took months. Um, I've never been uh, asked to come to uh, express myself in front of the prosecutors in Zurich. Um, Blatter did, uh, Marcus Katner did, uh, they, 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 they went there, they, they were hearings, but I never have uh, been asked to come. And then there was a final decision from the uh, prosecutor to say that there was no wrongdoings and uh, there was nothing wrong from our side and we did nothing which justify uh, a criminal uh, investigation or a criminal complaint and to go further than that. Uh, so, I mean, you can say, I regret something or if I have the feeling that I've done something wrong, I don't, and I don't have, and I know that I did nothing wrong in regards of what the position I was in and in regards of FIFA. I have not done anything wrong against FIFA, and I have never done anything which FIFA can complain about. What is amazing is that when one day I was uh, asked questions by a prosecutor, and he was asking me about a flight between, uh, between uh, uh, don't remember where, between uh, Zurich and St. Petersburg for the for the pre-draw, and the uh, and, and and I said, but I mean there, there was the following reasons for me to fly, and it was sixty thousand euro, whatever. And I said, but in the meantime, we we brought we brought uh, four billions. And, and the, the the reply was, but we don't care about what you did well. I mean, what we care is about what. Um, so there's there's a time where you have the feeling that, um, I mean, again, you are not in control. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I am the person which is perfectly white, etc. But again, I'm saying that I don't think I deserved uh, such a long killing uh, as I went through over this last eight years. Yeah, no, uh, I would agree with that. And, and, and let me just sort of, again, because not everyone will sort of recall what really happened. And I, I was just want to, I want to just summarize what I remember. You know, the deal there between MasterCard and Visa was obviously MasterCard was the encumbered uh, sponsor of FIFA, you know, for many, many years, uh, many cycles. 
and uh, and then Visa was brought in later on for basically obviously the same category, and then of course being direct competitors, you know, saying we Coke and Pepsi are competing around the world. So, and that's where the process was, you know, some would uh, seem to be challenged, right? Especially by Mastercard saying, look, we had a you know whatever first right of refusal, and others saying, you know, but look, you know, at the end of the day, we we decided to go with a different brand. Is there something of that uh, in there which you you can talk a bit about it, or or did I kind of cover that in the in the right way in a sense? Okay, so I mean, the, the Visa Mastercard in two thousand and six uh, was uh, the result of a long negotiation with the uh, old partner of FIFA Mastercard versus uh, a, a new one, and there was a wish from FIFA. To, uh, to to look at different options and not just to extend with Mastercard without trying to uh, put in competitions other companies, financial companies. Right. Um, so the, the the discussion with Visa took very long time, and um, and it's true that there is a time where Visa was not sure about uh, and where there was a, a kind of. Uh, move to MasterCard to say that we could be close to a finalization of the extension of the contract. And Visa suddenly came back with the uh, with the right level of offer. And and that's where we finalized with, with Visa. Uh, it was not a decision from neither Blatter or myself. It was a decision from the executive committee uh, to, to, to do it based on the on the different elements. What I think is that there was a wrong communication or bad communication with MasterCard. I mean, when you have been a long a partner, I mean, there must be um, maybe a different way to uh, to uh, to just not to give a call to the company saying, oh, by the way, I mean, you're out. We finalized with Visa. Thank you for your support over the last years and, mm-hmm. and goodbye. Right. Uh, there was a, there was, I, I'm not saying that all what happened is just because of bad communication, uh, but I'm still thinking that uh, the, 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 the complaint of MasterCard saying that we have uh, not been fair in the negotiation, that we have not followed the commercial rules uh, of a negotiation, uh, all of this was uh, really based on the fact that, uh, um, I mean, instead of uh, trying to explain to MasterCard, um, who maybe had the feeling that they would have a chance to come back again and to make a bigger offer or to to justify why they were the perfect partner versus uh, Visa as a new partner. I mean, I I, I think that maybe there we did something which was not perfect. I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about whoever could have in that case. But but it was really the feeling that they were very upset about the way they have been treated. And, And in the U.S., I mean, uh, with very good lawyers, uh, there is definitely a, a ground for uh, going to court and making sure that uh, you will uh, you will you will win what they did. I mean, they won, they got uh, a huge compensation, and 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 that's it. And then it was over. Mm. Yeah, and, and again, this is always you know, I'm, I'm, my whole life I've been in the commercial line and, and the front where you what you just explained, where at the end of the day, your job is or our job is to go and get the most money out and create competition, right? And whether it is as obvious as Mastercard and Visa or Pepsi and Coke, or whether it is two major broadcasters in the same country uh, vying for it, right, and and bidding against each other, it is. That's part of what we all do, right? Every day uh, around the world, um, and it's creating competition and therefore driving up the fr- fees and or driving up uh, the value of these of these enti- of the things we're selling. Maybe I was too uh, I was naive when I told the the the, 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 the during this case I said um, 
else. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Visa was informed about the offer from Mastercard and blah, blah, and we played. We played between the two in order to get the best, mm. and that was something which was really not, uh, which was legally, I would say, not uh, not well to say. I mean, uh, because I remember that uh, the, the one person said, but a negotiation is not a game. Um, and, 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 and wrongly, I say, uh, yes, I think it's a game because there is a winner and there is a loser. There is a, it's, it's a game between uh, three parties. Uh, if you have uh, two persons interested to uh, get what you have and one person who is interested to get the best of what we have, um, it's a kind of a game which is uh, with a winner and a loser. And, uh, and that was not the way uh, in the U.S. you describe a negotiation. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of ground here um, and I want to get to the point really where I want to, you know, now we're finally for you, I think your life is sort of coming a bit back uh, or maybe coming, hopefully getting back to normal uh, in many ways. Um, you know, you, you're obviously here on this podcast now because we've been talking for a while and, and I knew, you know, there were times when you weren't comfortable yet to be able to share these things here. Um, but I know you also want to come back there, you know, and, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, look at things again and, and be part of the industry. You know, what, what is it what you, you know, in the perfect world love to do or, or maybe what you are looking at doing already? Uh, and if you can share something. Uh, what I know is that I don't want to come back uh, at uh, in the world I was. I mean, I don't want to come back into uh, uh, FIFA, that's for sure. And, uh, <laughs> right, and, sure. Uh, and uh, I don't want to come back into any of these uh, football world uh, I have I have been as an executive because uh, I've, I've done uh, the most beautiful job and uh, and and that's it. Uh, I am I am I know that uh, and the feeling I have is that uh, the, our world has not really changed. Uh, I'm not saying about 40 years ago, but for the last eight years, I don't I've not seen so many big revolution in sports. Uh, there are new sports as paddle, there are new events, uh, but I mean, uh, sport is the sport. So I'm still in love with sport and I, uh, and what I'm uh, now, because I've decided uh, to kick my ass this time, uh, and not the, 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 uh, I have decided that I need to do something because I'm too young not to, to do anything. I cannot just uh, sit on a chair watching the sea and the waves. Uh, for the next uh, for the next uh, 15 years, which I think are still the years where my brain can work at 100 percent. And I'm yes, I'm looking and I'm uh, talking with people in order to uh, to become a kind of advisor or consultant or helping uh, when it's organizing um, uh, events. Or uh, and and it's not just about at the end. It's not just about sport. It can be in any industry um, or any sport because. At the end, it's the same structure and the same system. Uh, as long as you, uh, you you like, as long as you love what you are doing and uh, and you are dedicated, I mean, you can uh, you can apply your your knowledge and and your skills to uh, to whatever uh, can use them. Um, so that's what where I am today. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just too young to die. I'm just too young to uh, to stop, and I'm just uh, been through too much uh, pain not to try to uh, to to enjoy life and to uh, to to have uh, fun again in my life uh, at whatever level it is it's not uh, it's not just uh, about money it's about uh, 
it's not anymore about surviving because surviving is what I've done over the last eight years. Mm. Resilience is what I've been doing over the last eight years. Now I just need to uh, to 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 find uh, happiness and 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 joy and and just uh, something which is um, lighter. I mean, it has been so heavy over the last years right. that I need uh, I need to have shoulders without any more weight on them. Mm. And Drew, my look, I, you know, I, I cannot, I cannot even imagine, you know, the things you've been going through, and I'm sure your family and everyone else has been going through during that period of time. And you know, thinking about it, if you would do this, have to do it for a couple of years, but you know, eight years is just a crazy amount of time. And you know, you know and uh, I wish you, know, and hopefully, part of what we're doing here and talking all about it a bit, and it's also maybe a way to kind of release it a bit, and uh, you know, and have this sort of new start there. So I'm. I really honor you and thank you for sharing all this, the, the stories here and, and the fun, you know, the fun conversation we had about, you know, the, the FIFA world and of course your, your world before. And, uh, and I'm no doubt that, uh, there is a role out there for you. And I'm sure, and hopefully maybe Tom on the back of the people listening to this here, are picking up the phone and, and, and getting in touch with you. Is, is there a particular way that they should reach out to you? Um, is it LinkedIn? Is it an email address or what's the best way to get a hold of you? I can give you my phone number. It's, <laughs> it's three four for Spain six zero seven nine three seven two nine eight. That's my phone number. And yes, uh, via LinkedIn. I mean, uh, I am also on LinkedIn, so there is a way to uh, to reach uh, through LinkedIn uh, uh, whenever there is uh, there is uh, something. So, uh, okay. but uh, again, I mean, it was uh, it, it's it's the first time I'm uh, I am uh, participating into a podcast. My first one. Um, so that was uh, that was fun and it was nice and it was really nice to uh, to talk with you and uh, and uh, and to have this time together. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll make sure, of course, that we put this into the the notes. So if someone wants to reach out to you and uh, does that, hopefully the phone will ring here a few more times. Um, so. Thank you so much, Jerome. Uh, please stay on for a minute uh, just to, to have a quick chat after. But uh, first of all, uh, thank you. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Lure Podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Lure. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.